there was an investor in Atlanta met me in our workspace at one point. He was like, hey, what's your burn rate? I was like, burn rate? Like, today's Monday. If we don't make some money, like, right now, we'll be closed. Like, it was, there was no, so, like, you know, again, these articles would come out and, like, you know, we're just, we're, we're trying to slow our burn, slow our burn. It was like, if we don't make money right now, we'll die. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the More Rounds podcast. I'm Kim Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Chromix. And on this podcast, we talk about how to fund your business, whether that be cash flow, debt, credit, or raising money from investors. And today, you guys, we have none other than Ryan Wilson from The Gathering Spot here with us. And I'm so excited to talk to him. I'm a huge fan. I'm also a member. I've been to Gathering Spot in Atlanta, in LA. I was in the Connected Cities in Chicago for different events at Google. And so I'm a huge, huge fan and customer. But before we get into this episode, we have to cheers. 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 All right. Wonderful. Okay. So, Ryan, this podcast is about funding, and we will get to how you funded The Gathering Spot, but would love to know, like, your founder story, how you guys got started, and how you got here. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur, um, is the short version of the story. (laughs) I grew up wanting to be an attorney, and for me, that was the best way to help folks in my community, so it didn't really matter. Age 5, 15, that was the plan. Ended up leaving Atlanta to go to Washington, D.C., and I was government major, stayed, went to law school, and came back to Atlanta for a summer, and that's where things started to change for me. I was working at a law firm, and I just did not enjoy the experience. It was tough. And it was the same summer that George Zimmerman was on trial for Trayvon Martin's murder. Mm. And I had been doing some community organizing work in D.C. And I got an email as soon as he was acquitted that was like, hey, what are we going to do? And I responded back to them saying, hey, look, we should build a place where we can have this conversation. Next day, I sent that same concept to my then roommate, now business partner, TK. And uh, we've been running that ever since. So that was July of 2013. What kind of lawyer were you trying to be? So it, that, that changed, too. When I got to law school, for me, I wanted to be a civil rights attorney. And then mm. I realized that there aren't that many civil rights attorneys. So I was, I was pursuing more of an employment law uh, track. But I didn't know. I mean, I was taking every single class that you could imagine trying to just figure it out. What was sad about that time, though, for me is that I just, like, I really didn't enjoy the experience. For me, everything in law was about trying to figure out what someone else said about what we should go do. And I was like, well, I, I came here to like make, make my own arguments. It just, it felt like a mismatch. So um, when we, we started talking about the business seriously, it was like, okay, I think that there's no better time than now. Let's jump in and, and try to make this thing happen. And how old were you at that time? It's 22 going on 23. Uh, when we got seriously started, trying to trying to make the business happen. So we it took us years. I mean, we didn't start actually trying to raise money until probably a year in on just working on the idea. And then um, I graduated from law school in 2015, and we started to really go for it after that. So two things. One, you wanting to be a civil rights attorney, and then where, based on what you do now and where you are today and the philanthropy and the gathering spot makes so much sense because you're like, hey, this is not 
active enough for me. I want to do something that's more proactive and less reactive. And I, I kind of feel like regular law is reactive. It's like something yeah. bad happened. Now we're trying to fix it. And I think that's really, really interesting. But you instead said, you know what? I know I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to take what I know as an attorney and then build a business from this. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I saw in the law firm that was interesting was that it was like the only way to become a partner in these firms was to have someone cut you into their book of business. Well, I'm like, well, okay, I have to hope that someone cares about me enough to cut me in. And then eventually (laughs) I've got to go start trying to find my own clients. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's, that sounds like entrepreneurship to me. That's something I've got to go hunt. So, all right. I mean, if that's if that's what the game is anyway, I might as well go play it for myself exactly. rather than sitting here hoping first that someone lets me in and that then I can go and, and make it happen from there. So um, that once that light bulb went off, it, it changed the way that I was I was looking at that looking at that entire world. So you're 23. You decide to start the gathering spot with TK. When when do you get your first check? Or how are you funding this? Because, I mean, you know, you weren't in law for very long. Like, I have other friends who were in law, and they saved up $100,000 or $50,000. It didn't sound like you really had a job long enough to save up any money. I had some summer money. I was a research assistant. I had a little money from that. What's that little money? I mean, at that time, they were paying summers. I mean, it was decent, like twenty five k for the summer. Okay, all right. So you had so, saved that up. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was there. Okay. But you're living in D.C., Paying DC. I mean, I still had an apartment in DC, so it wasn't. It didn't change your life, but I uh, funding it. I mean, our first check in was five thousand dollars each, and I okay. remember the day. I mean, and that was just just TK and I. We, we oh, called okay. each other and we were like, "Hey, you know, we we need to get some some work done. We had some design work that needed to happen. We were trying to figure out how to get some like the initial business plan stuff done." And uh, we put five thousand dollars in, and we've been talking to some other people that were interested in doing the business with us potentially. And that call for the f- that first five k changed everything. Mm. So it got down to just TK and I at that point. And um, what were y'all doing with? I mean, we y'all y'all have a building model, right? Mm-hmm. So what were y'all doing with the first ten? Like, oh, it went super quickly. Right, I, mean, I was like, yeah, that's not no, enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, our our first round was over three million dollars. So that first little money in was like, it was really just to like hire our attorney, hire the first person that was going to design our logo. Of course you hire an attorney mm-hmm. first. Oh yeah. No, I look, I, I, I knew that we were going to have to surround ourselves with people that were experts in things that we didn't know. So mm. we had lawyers, we had accountants, even before there was any money to account for Like we were, we had all of the services around us. Wow. We knew, too, that we were going to need a designer. And so... Um, Let me just... I want to put a pause on that, only because most entrepreneurs hire the designers and the creative first, and instead you hire the back, the ops first, which I think... You know, it's funny. My friend says that she thinks attorneys built the best businesses um, because they think about all the things that could go wrong, and then they yeah. put the things in place so that the, it doesn't go wrong, you know? I probably didn't get a trademark to maybe a year into business. So that's oh, so yeah, funny no. that you... We, we were... I mean... So I, we didn't go that far, but like on the on the legal front, we were having hard conversations up front. We were talking about what, like, in the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. if we we've been roommates, so like it wasn't like we didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. But if we absolutely can't stand one another, what happens then? Oof. And we were having those sort of, I mean, I mean, they were tough conversations because we both knew that there was a possibility that we would get to whatever that bad place was, and we needed to have some governing docs to help us decide what would happen next. So. 
I mean, TK was leaving his job, right? So yeah. And what I'm, was TK doing? He was he was working at Fannie Mae at the time, okay. um, and was so he's managing. In finance. It, it was in finance, yeah. And so that's and that honestly is, is the reason why we were working together. I, I think a lot of folks hear these co-founder stories, and it's about being friends. We were not there because we were friends. We were there because I had an idea. He had a background in finance and accounting and could help build a model around that idea. Where'd you guys yeah. meet? At Georgetown. We met at, at, at an undergrad. And so you guys were like classmates. Classmates. And then roommates. Like, we, we lived together for most of the time. Do you, have you guys ever gotten into a really bad fight? Watching on YouTube, unfortunately, is not enough. If you've learned anything from my podcast, please, please, please leave me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I would be so appreciative, and you would help further the progress of this podcast. Now back to the episode. Yeah, which one you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> which one you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, look, it, it. we have a deep respect for one another, mm-hmm. um, but we have not always gotten along at all. I mean, it, it's we're very competitive people. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of the thing in the early days where it was like, look, I'm not going to let him outwork me. Mm. And he has that same attitude. I'm like, he can't, he's not going to be able to, to, to put more into this than me either. But no, that leads at, at times to a lot of different conflicts. We have tried to stay in each other's swim lanes. So if it, if it is about something that is connected to the finance or like accounting of the business, that is his domain. I will give commentary on it. I, I, I'm there. Yeah. But if if Ty will go to him if if we're really not in agreement, and then for stuff that's in my wheelhouse, it's the same same sort of way. So in 2015, you guys go out to raise money. How long yeah. does it take you to raise the three million? Year and a half, man. And we started counting how many no's. It was 97 straight no's before the first check. How did you know you needed to raise money instead of I'm going to try and do a you know. People will tell you you can bootstrap, or they could tell you you can do different yeah. things, or you can go buy a building. You had twenty five k in the bank, like you didn't need, you know, like you could have bought something and makeshifted and all the things, you know. Unfortunately, for just what we were building, we we it's brick and mortar, right? Like yeah. we have we have physical space, and so two early challenges: you've got to find a building, and you've got to design that building to have every gathering spot is event space, restaurant, bar, and workspace. So we needed someone to design it. And we wanted to have some great designers on the project. So we knew that that was going to be expensive. To get into real estate, you need capital, right? And we we had like two conversations quickly with some banks on what was possible and saw pretty fast. It was like, look, if you didn't have money, there wasn't a conversation really to have there for <laughs> real. So we uh we moved on and, and saw that like we were going to have to raise some equity and that was just us running around town. We were those first uh, again, we counted it was 97 no's. I can look back now and say the first like 40 pitches were terrible. Mm. We weren't Why just, were they terrible? Just the fundamentals of what uh, of the business for us like we kind of knew them. What were you pitching at 40 no's versus like the last 3 yeses? This is really simple, but something that I missed. At the end of the day, investors want to understand how they're going to get their money back. <laughs> yes. And as a person that was into the community and how we were going to th- talk about positioning the company, I would go into these conversations hot on all of that. And then folks would... You were a civil rights attorney. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm like, <laughs> we're going to change the world with this thing. It's going to be amazing. And folks would be like, awesome. 
Well, where's my money? Sounds like a nonprofit to me. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> appreciate your passion. Super cool. Where is my money in all of this? Mm-hmm. Where is the return going to be? So we had to just, we had to start getting really like tight on being able to put the very important piece of the business up front in yeah. the conversation, and then show them our passion. Right? I mean, I, I've said this um, this thing before because it was it was frustrating for me. I, I felt like we were a zebra. But I had to pitch the concept at that point like a horse because investors could understand the category of, of what a horse was easier. When I was giving them all the stripes and how complex we are and how the ways I thought we could make money, it's they were like, it's too much. Give me a category I can understand. And so we um, we started to change the pitch. I, it's funny. I, I, know, um, I know this brother now, but I was watching Tristan Walker he was out west at that point. He's in Atlanta now. But I was watching him as he was building Bevel. Yeah. And I don't think folks in the community give Tristan enough credit because what he was doing, it changed the way that we approached the business. He was taking a, a consumer product company mm-hmm. and pitching it like a tech company. Yeah. Now, look, there's a lot in that, but but during that time... That's what everyone wanted to invest in. They wanted to invest they in wanted high to invest growth, in tech. Mm-hmm. High, high growth tech companies. They want to be, they want you to be tech, even if it didn't make sense for you to be tech. But so it went from, we're going to build one gathering spot in Atlanta to, we're going to build 10 clubs in five years. And this is, this is the high mm-hmm. growth model that uh, TGS will pursue. And it, it, it helped a little bit that we work was, uh, was pursuing a, a similar type model. And that's, that's the way we changed the conversation. Do you think we worked blow up? with that documentary affected how people saw the gathering spot? Uh, no, I don't think the doc, I mean, uh, it hasn't had much like the negative side to me, hasn't had much of an impact on us, but it was very influential as we work was growing. Mm. I mean, we're talking about the fastest physical expansion of real estate ever. And I think it's like second to McDonald's, right? There's no company. Oh, really? has, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean like we work was getting to, to the type of square footage that like, it was like the second biggest leaseholder in New York City. I mean, it was just incredible growth. That's from crazy, a space actually. Yeah. When so, you consider like Hilton fan, like when you consider yeah, all these other places, yeah. it's like, wait a minute, that's actually kind of wild. No, I mean, it, and they were, I mean, they were doing this in like incredibly short periods of time. So, you know, when you've got a company that's worth $47 billion. Well, they used to be. Worth. Used to be. It, but when I'm pitching, it, they were worth, I mean, it was going up. 10, yeah, 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 20, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. like WeWork's valued at $20 billion. Oh, WeWork's worth, I mean. So, and then it, it, it capped out at 47. That was hugely impactful to the way that our deal was understood in the market because um, although we weren't doing the same thing, yeah, folks saw the energy that was happening on the co-working side of the business in that way. And you know, we, we had to be prepared to talk about it. Yeah. And you know, and I, I've been to, we work, I've been to the gathering spot. I've been to a Soho. You guys are doing something totally different. Like the vibe is different. The, the community is different. It feels yeah. like um, home almost going to a gathering spot versus yeah. like Soho feels like a work lunch and we work feels like I'm taking an office meeting. You know what I mean? So no, I, I'm, I'm actually super passionate about this point because I think sometimes the community is so quick to try to put a company in mm-hmm. a box next to something that they know. And like to a certain extent that makes sense. But yeah. To your point, we were never from a, like a fit and feel perspective trying to be like anybody else. And like, yeah. and that sounds cliche, but like genuinely, I never woke up any morning being like, how do we go be more like them or more like that? We were aware. Yeah. I wasn't ever trying to be like, I mean, our, our shot was if we were going to execute our, our plan. Yeah. Not if we could like replicate somebody else's plan 
Um, and what you saw with some of those other companies, we couldn't do that anyway, right? So mm. that wasn't what our, our pursuit was. We genuinely were interested in trying to grow our community. And we're fortunate that, you know, as time went on, we were able to, to start to scale a little bit. And so you raised the first $3 million. You got some yeses after you figured out how to show them that you were going to make money. And how much did you raise in total? Uh, a little under $20 million. Right, a little right under $20 million. So Can you give me the tranches? So it was like $3 million here. So th- this is where it gets complicated for TGS, right? Okay. Because this was never a tech-crunchy thing for us. Um, and that would always frustrate me, too, because there would be these, you know, these examples coming out all the time of, like, X company just raised $5 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were hustling, right? I mean, even <laughs> that, that first $3 million. Like, you raising $20 million as a black founder is, I mean, that's amazing. Like. It, Look, looking back on it now, yes. Yeah. But we also weren't dropping any articles about it. Like we weren't, we never had one press release. We would close these rounds and say, I mean, absolutely nothing. Mm. I mean, because to me it wasn't, even the three million, we raised that money. And on the first day that we opened, I had absolutely none of that money. We had spent all of it just trying to get open. So I mean, I remember there was an... Um, oh, you know I know. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't raise some money, and they are like, how do you spend $3 million so fast? Well, would you like to see? Like- I, I'm, no problem to see. I mean, like, I remember there was an investor in Atlanta met me in our workspace at one point, and he was like, hey, what's your burn rate? I was like, burn rate? Like, today's Monday. If we don't make some money, like, right now, we'll be closed. Like, it was... There was no... So, like, you know, again, these articles would come out, and, like, you know, we're just... We're, we're trying to slow our burn, slow our burn. It was like, if we don't make money right now, we'll die. Yeah. I'm grateful for it, though, because it, it taught us the fundamentals of the business. And, we, and like, it taught us to be scrappy. It taught us to be super resilient because truly, like, hour to hour, we were trying to figure out how are we going to make this thing go. How did you make money? Uh, I mean, the three main ways. And, and one really important way, the membership community is, is by and far the way that the business exists. We do a lot of events and we also have a restaurant, right? But our focus from a model perspective was the membership, right? Which in another way can be understood as subscription, right? Mm-hmm. Folks pay a mem- membership uh, dues and that's the way that the business sustains itself. But that's where we were focused. I mean, the club opened with 128 members. We, we knew that we could break even around 500 or so. Yeah. And we were we were hustling to try to get to that place because again there wasn't some like at your good, peak how many members have you guys had the peak is is right now I mean we're like fifteen thousand members oh that's amazing congratulations that's yeah. amazing no, it's, if you do you have any advice for people who want to start a membership based business you know well and it could be and you, you could give an advice if it's in person membership if it's online membership Facebook yeah. group any advice you have for someone thinking like I want to start a membership based business. Look, it doesn't matter if it's in person or, or online. I think increasingly you're going to see models that are both anyway. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. and I signed up for the gathering spot having never been to one. I didn't make, yeah, make it to my yeah. first one to maybe like six months in. And I appreciate you. Sincere, like, like Stuff like that for me is still, oh. <laughs> like, it's deep. To go from being in your apartment talking about something and then having people invest anything in making it a possibility, like, that's not something that I ever take lightly. But oh. seriously. But... I, your, your question was like, how do, like, how do you, what should you do? You should figure out why genuinely you want to bring people together. Like, what is the reason why that thing needs to exist? That sounds simple again. But there are a lot of people out there chasing subscription models that are just, 
I just need a customer. I just want to have people pay me. And it's like, sure. But like, why? Yeah. Why, why does this collection of people need you to come together? For, for us, it was like, look, black folks don't have a place where we can come together, where we are celebrated and not tolerated. We need to build physical spaces, taking the old model of a country club or private club, what a lot of times were understood as good old boys clubs, yeah. and bringing it into, the, into um, our community. That was our thesis. So you've got to identify, like, what is your thesis in order to be successful in having a membership? Otherwise, again, like, you can put a link out and ask people to do some reoccurring, but why? Yeah, and that's true. And I was signing up for more than just a space. Yeah. And that, that was the, you know, the why. It was community. It was yeah. connection with black folks. So, you know, you, you guys raised about $20 million. You know, whether or not you're happy about that or you feel like that was an accomplishment or if it was just, like, a necessary thing, and you can, and you can address that. I want to know how you guys split up the work. Because one of the things that one of my advisors told me, I was like, yeah, I'm, I can't raise money. And she's like, Kim, you're not doing what a founder who raises money does. She was like, you're at home breastfeeding, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, but a founder who, and she's like, take care of your baby. I love that for you. But a founder who is raising money, one person's running the business yeah. and one person's pounding the pavement, getting the hundred no's. Yeah. And so I would love to know between you and TK, how you guys structured that? And if it was both of you, like what that looked like for you? The number one question I get all the time is, Kim, is Chromix available in stores? We have been saying no to every retailer for the last seven years that I've been in business. And we are finally going to be on store shelves, you guys. We are going to be available in Ulta. And I really need you guys to show up and buy us out so that we can blow up in the store and do well. Thank you so much for watching our podcast. And please make sure you go buy Chromix, now available in Ulta. It was both of us, but I mean, we were fortunate that both of us were there to be able to, because a lot of times if I was focused on fundraising, he was focused on the operations or vice versa, right? So that same dynamic that you're talking about, that had to happen. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we did have home court to protect Yeah. because you can't go out there and raise money if the fundamentals of the thing that you're building are bad. Yeah. We also didn't have the luxury of, of losing money, right? So... You know, it's cool to talk about now that businesses have to be profitable and that's what the market is expecting. But we knew we didn't have a shot if we weren't growing and that the fundamentals in terms of just like at a very basic level, a business has to care for itself. Mm -hmm. That's what we were focused on. Caring for the, the just the, the basic baseline parts of the business. And then a lot of times I would go out there and start the initial conversations. Once we got them going... TK's role has been always to come in on the back end and help get the deal closed. closed. Gotcha. Yeah, so working with legal, working with any of the um, kind of other parties that come into a deal to get it across the finish line. Okay. But this 20 million thing for me is, um, is something that I'm, I'm proud of and deeply saddened by at the same time because deeply saddened. It's just not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Right? Like we, we it like, but it is, Right. But it's, it's not, it's, but I, I feel but, you. I feel, you know, all, I, I feel yeah, you. Yeah, it's like, it's <laughs> I done raised $9 million and I still feel like, people are like, you're just almost $10 million. I'm like, look, you don't know the half. That's a lot. It's, it, it's a lot and it needs to be applauded, right? But if you were funded up to fully your ambition, what would that have number, like that number been? It would have likely been a lot larger. And so we have to, we can't. Because how much do we work raise? Billions. Billions of dollars, right. <laughs> so your $20 million is like $20. Today, like, yeah. hundreds of millions or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was what was happening. Like, they would announce a funding round of billions, and we'd be like, yeah, five. Right, and it, 
And it's complicated because mm-hmm. in, in one context, that's a lot of money. Yeah. In another context, it's like, that's cute. Right, exactly. So when your payroll is a few hundred thousand dollars, you know, <laughs> it's like, Mwah. so I mean, but I, I don't want us to take the, the, our eye off the ball with that issue because we'll, we'll start getting accustomed to this idea that like, Oh no, like a million is great. And a million is great. But if you're, if you have the potential to build a billion dollar company, did we give you the fuel required to actually get there? Yeah. And if the answer to that is no, then we can't be happy. I mean, this happens to black founders all the time. You'll get absolute peanuts and then have the expectation that you're supposed to go and like take it to the, to the moon. And it's like, well, why can't you do X, Y, and Z? And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, do you know what I got? You know what I had to work with? Because I started with a million dollars. It's it's like, which is a, like, you got to keep dancing. We only got to qualify because, you know, People are not used to seeing it. People like us have money, right? And I want them to be used to it because... And exactly. But when we compare it to our peers, it's it's not a lot of money. Some of the amounts that we're talking about a lot of times are like insignificant. Like I have this ongoing... And this is tough to talk about too. But LLC Twitter, hard for me, right? Because so many people online trying to coach people in to six figures. I'm not mad at it, right? Lifestyle business... It can be something that helps feed your family, something you may be passionate about. But if the other side of, the, of that conversation is that company's not big enough to even really hire you. Mm. Right? You, you certainly can't. Working in corporate. You, you, sir, who do you hire? If, if the goal, right, if the goal is to get to six figures, who are you going to hire? Mm. And really, I mean, Part of the other challenge is that if you're black in America, the likelihood that you will work at a black owned business ever in your life is statistically so small. And so we can't afford to have a conversation that's about how to have a business that's doing $100,000 a year in revenue when given just the crisis of employment in our community, we've got to be building companies that are larger than that to give meaningful opportunities to folks in our community. So this stuff is hard and like, you know, you say it and the people... I've had people get mad at me because it's like, you know, what are you trying to say? I, I'm not. I, if you figured out how to get something into the world that's making $100,000 a year, seriously, congratulations. Bravo. All I'm saying is that we need many, many more companies doing way more revenue than that so that there's a deeper economic impact in the community. Oh, my God. So I'm so glad you said this because that was why I started this podcast. I'm a beauty founder. People are like, why are you doing a funding podcast? Because my friends and I have done the most creative things to get to the <laughs> 9 million that we have raised. People are like, oh my God, you raised 9 million. Yeah, but I had to crowdfund from 7,000 of my customers to raise $5 million. It's not like a VC wrote me a check for 5 million. You know what I mean? And you imagine the amount of work, the nine months of work that went into raising $5 million versus actually just someone just writing me a check from their play money. You know what I mean? So anyway, all right. Thank you so much for saying that, Ryan. Thank you so, so much. Now we're about to get into our lightning round where I have a series of questions that I've asked everyone. And I want to hear your answers. Okay. So first question. And don't ask me anything hard. What, what, no, no, right? it's, it's, <laughs> it's personal. I mean, you say what you want to say, okay? What's a belief you once had that you no longer have about entrepreneurship and you can't say that it was easy? Uh, that businesses are going to stay small, that, like, our, our businesses are destined to be just small things that are there, that mm. we can go build really, really, really big companies. 
you believe that. Okay, so what do you think it takes for us to get there, though? Because in my mind, there have been several people who come on this podcast and say they don't think VC is for black founders because we don't continually get funding. So you know, I don't know if you hold that belief. Do you hold that belief? Not 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 exactly, right? It it depends on the model, right? We have it's a it's a longer conversation for me. Like, is the is the company that you're building a hyper growth business? Then VC could make sense for you. The vast majority of companies, though, almost by definition, are not these hyper growth shooting for the stars, like boom or bust sort of situations. Right. And so that is why I think VC is not appropriate for most people. VC just dominates most of the conversation, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't have any venture capital inside of TGS. Mm. It's all been in family offices. You got 20 million angels. Basically. Oh, yeah. that's dope. Yeah. That's, we don't I like that. No, we don't. We don't have there's no like institutional capital in inside of TGS. Is, these are from, I mean, a lot of folks that people know, but we were, we were raised out of family offices. So, I mean, no, I mean, the wholesale, there are a couple of examples where like, again, if you're about to grow a hundred percent year over year <laughs> for five years straight, go get some venture money. Yeah. If you are building a solid business, that's going to grow much slower than that, but building a really good company, then there are other sources of capital that we need to be talking about. You know, I think that people, I don't think venture was intended for this ecosystem that we, that envision. Like, oh, if I'm building hyper growth, I'm going to give you venture. I think venture was intended for, I'm rich, I want to fund your idea until you get to um, a really wealthy exit. And it's not about, I got to find the smartest founder, I got to do all of these, I'm going to see 100 pitches. That was not what was intended for venture. That's that's the way I see I'm it. I'm with you. I mean, like a lot of the venture company, back companies are manufactured wins to me. These mm-hmm. are companies that like, people have legitimately come together and are like, we are like working with one another to get this company to the moon exactly, and to get them incredible market share very, very quickly. I agree with you. Like <laughs> exactly. that, when, when you talk about it that way, was, is that group of people normally talking about black folks? No, no, they're not. No, right? like, not they're not. It, it, so it wasn't designed for black people in that way, almost by definition. Now, are there some examples? Sure. But like the, the industry itself was yeah. not designed for, um, us to to be successful in that way, and that's okay to me. I, I'm one of the, even with you'll see with TGS. I'm not trying to fight to be included at someone's table. Yeah, that doesn't want me to have a seat there. We have to be building our own tables, and there are ways for us to do accomplish some of these goals without having to be worried about what everybody else is is doing. Agreed. Okay, wonderful. Okay, next question: What mistake did you make that you should wish you could go back and change? <laughs> Um, I wish that I, from the beginning would have been trying to, to pursue, and this is going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I wish that we would have been pushing the pace a little bit faster earlier. Mm. I took a very, when we opened, it was a very kind of slow and deliberate. I mean, I was scared for lack of a better way to say this. And so I wish that I wasn't, um, as fearful in the beginning as we'd gotten over the hump of like, should we start? But then there was like a, a time period where we just like, it just wasn't moving as quickly as it could. Um, I hadn't fully accepted the idea that TGS could like scale mm. for real. And, and uh, it was more of like a, wow, I was like really happy to be here. Mm. And mm. you can get stuck in that, in that space of just like, wow, I didn't think it was impossible to be here. I'm here. Wow. I can't believe that I'm here. And then, I wish that I, when I, we were in that moment, I would have been like, snap out of that, man. Like, like keep, keep running faster. 
uh, because it's out there. Somebody needs to hear that. I have a friend. She raised, she just closed $4 million. She's raised about $9 million total for her tech startup. And I just was like, yeah, I know we should be grateful. She's like, I hate that word. And I was like, what do you uh, mean? And she's well, like, because people always tell black founders we should be grateful. And, and, and then you were talking about moving too yeah, slow. And well, I think that's that gratefulness and not, you know. Yeah. And the grateful thing, just a quick second on that. Look, at the end of the day, this is a business transaction when someone is investing in your company. Mm-hmm. You have given them a part of your company. And so, yes, you should be thankful to a certain extent, but like this over gratitude thing that we have going on, <laughs> it like it has to stop. At the end of the day, like the attitude should be from the founder. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yep. You just got an opportunity to work with me on a company that I'm about to make successful. I'm about to kill Look, myself trying to make you money. You're going to literally, you're going to be like on your couch and I'm going to be actually shooting in the gym like every <laughs> single day. Right. And, and so again, that, okay, I get it. But like to act like I'm not me and you're, cause I'm, I'm important here too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yes, your capital is important, but like if I don't go put it to work every single day intelligently, it doesn't, it, it's not worth anything. Exactly. Right? But as founders, we get into this weird dynamic where it's like, Oh, those are the investors over there. And it's like, yeah, like you're welcome to be able to work over here. That is a good opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this together, but like this isn't some like all about it's really because it's open. If you, if you don't pay attention, they'll have you thinking that the world is really about the investors and we're just like passengers on the companies that we started. Exactly. I don't exactly. feel that way. No, if I'm in a meeting with you. If I'm in a meeting with you as an investor, thank you. But at the same time, you are welcome because we're about to make this company successful. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, Book everyone should read. That's a tough one. Uh, That's a tough one. Come on, you got it. You read a lot of books. Yeah, you sent one book. I'm going totally. I'm not doing the business book thing. The book that changed my life was all of Richard Wright's books, but Native Son. Oh, that's old school. Any, like, quick, why we should read it? I'm a big believer that as an entrepreneur, you've got to source energy and information from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, like, look, I'm not mad at the business books. There's that list of think and grow. Great. Like, those are good books. They they really are. But, like, for me, when I'm thinking about how to, like, build a business, I'm trying to get in, like, what problem can I solve in my community what like what real things exist out there? Yeah, and I source that not from the businessy uh, book. So okay, um, I almost gave you like a, a super businessy book answer because I read give, those. Give us a business one just to, just to satisfy the the. I'm ego. trying to think the name the book I just read is uh it was good too. I'm looking at the cover and I can't think of the name of it. It's gonna kill me. We can come back to it if you remember. Yeah, come it. back. I'll remember it. Most money you lost on a deal. I haven't lost any money in a deal. What? Uh, you had a real entrepreneur. No, you're talking about like raising money? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, I just mean, any deal. Oh. So like I had like, I signed a bad contract before. You are an attorney though, uh, so you probably uh, ain't signed uh, no bad no, contracts. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I thought that you were talking about like investing in the company. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, we we lost a good 250000 on a deal during the uh, construction process that still keeps me up at night. Mm. Yeah, during design. You'll, you'll learn that there's the pre-work to building a space. And then there's actually when you get in there to build it. And it's funny how the numbers change. So mm. the people that were talking to you about it would be one way. Suddenly it's another and you're stuck. 
right? Because once you tear up the walls or the floors up and you're building stuff and someone walks in a room and says, oh, did I say? And, it, and it's like, you, you did, but like, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. So uh, we've actually learned that lesson a couple of times over, but several hundred thousand in, in construction, which still sad for me. Gotcha. Well, but I'm, I want you to get your sleep, you know? Um, no, but- <laughs> look, you learn, look, there's, there's, this, we built three locations now. The third process was a lot different than the second one, and mm-hmm. it was a, definitely a lot different than the first one. Where's the third location? L.A. L.A. I've been to Atlanta. Where's, it, where's that one? So, it, uh, Atlanta, D.C., L.A. Oh, D.C. I haven't seen. Is D.C. Yeah. And D.C.'s open. D.C.'s open. That was oh, the second wonderful. one. Okay, wonderful. Most embarrassing moment as an entrepreneur? <laughs> I mean, I have I have one recently. We've taken a lot of pride in really having uh, a really, like, open conversation with our community. And this past summer, we were we were in the news quite a bit, um, and it was embarrassing for me because I couldn't fully talk about it. Mm. But can you still not talk about it? Uh, not fully, okay. um, which is still what is out there and known is we were acquired by a fintech, and part of what was special about that moment was that this was black on black M and A. Which is hard, right? Another thing that we don't talk, we don't talk about it enough, right? But, and and we should, because it surprises the community a lot when these companies scale Mm -hmm. and then are acquired. Yeah. But the thing that we've got to to take a step back on is if you are a black owned business that gets to one of the big, bigger companies in whatever your category is, well, by definition, you now are one of the larger players that's a black owned business. Really, the only people that can acquire you at that point is probably somebody from outside of the community. Now, that's not ideal, but like that's unfortunately just the reality of the landscape. That wasn't our situation. We were acquired by a black-owned business, but when parts of that opportunity weren't going well, right, publicly, that was embarrassing for me because I, I really wanted that opportunity to... Um, to, to one, not be there, but two, for us to, to continue to show, I mean, that we can work together. And that I, I really want to, to, to encourage everyone, like, you, we can work and scale businesses together. Not every single moment is going to be perfect. It wasn't for us. But we should continue to find ways to be supportive of one another and know that, like, I mean, that's conversation A. Conversation B, though, is that when companies in our community scale, and they have that moment where, from a business life cycle and journey perspective, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of options for our businesses once you get to um, those heights, especially when you've taken in capital. Yeah. Because those investors want their money back. And Absolutely. And so, you, as a founder, you've got to figure out a way to drive that. Yeah. I mean, the most famous example is BET, where it's like, why do, why do they sell BET? Well, if you're BET, who, who are you going to sell to? I wish there was another BT bigger, but like exactly. But it was BT, and no, any other example we could put on the table now, we're likely talking about the larger player in the space, which again has to change. But it's only going to change. I mean, cool example you see Richie Lou with um, with Shea Moisture exactly comes back to get Essence, sa- saves the brand, mm-hmm. makes Essence Fest hot again, starts a venture fund and invests in a ton of founders. Right. So to me, that move 
Net positive. Yeah. Agreed. You know what? I, I, I have this joke that if you ain't had your like moment in the press where it was like negative, then yeah. you ain't really made it yet. You, you know, you no, ain't made it yet. You, you ain't, you ain't, game, you no. ain't winning hard enough. When you start winning, you're going to have your moment in the press oh, yeah, and gonna. then you're going to overcome it. I just, I would love to know how you guys overcame it only because it seems like it's not a big deal now. Like it seems like people move past it. There's like, there's a hot, to- there's a hot topic on the press and then people move on. And so was there like, um, PR stuff or was it just more like, no, we solved it internally and then it was just good. You know, I mean, we've always taken pride in having a direct communication with the membership. So that's all we have done the entire time. The membership had very specific concerns, but like they weren't about our value, like the gathering spot, right? It wasn't about things that like, I felt like we couldn't have a conversation about. And I mean, I'll say this, look, the journey is, is, is long. There's, there's going to (laughs) be, there's a lot of uh, twists and turns uh, with this thing, no matter what season you're in. And so we just kept reminding ourselves that like, we've got to continue to just do our work the best way that we know how to, and it, it'll work out. That's good. Okay. Last thing moment. You want to relive like a really amazing moment in your entrepreneurship journey that you were like, I, I wish I could do this again. It felt so good. I, I wish I could go back to when we opened. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't documented. Well, it was stressful during the time, but to now be eight years removed from that moment, I can't feel it in the same way. It's hard to, I gave a, an example one time. I feel like entrepreneurs, there's like that, that artist first album energy where it's like, you know, it was the perfect producers in the room. And like, there was an energy to the time that like, you can't really fully express now because it only could have happened then, right? Yeah. Only that group of people. And I wish I could go back to just, um, I mean, we were 24 when I opened and life's a little different for me now. How old are you? 33. 33. So, oh, you feel 45, bro. (laughs) 33. No, I'm 33. But like when we, oh, just feeling that again, just the energy of like, can we, can we do this? Can we pull this off? Like, will it, and just how, how I was waking up every single day with, I mean, I look, I still have a motor. I still I can work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever be able to work like I was working Man. then, though. Like, like th- there was a different urgency to first album. Like you were, you're trying to prove. I, I'm still on a mission, right? So it's, it's, it had gone away totally. But like that first couple moments of the thing, that's special. That's wonderful, Ryan. Thank you so much for I coming on you. the show. I'm super grateful. You've been an incredible guest. Oh my gosh, is there anything you want to leave the people with and how can we support you? No, look at the community supported, like good people support us the entire time. I don't have any uh, requests there. I mean, we got some exciting news with TGS that uh, I'll be talking about a lot over the next year, right? So I'm looking forward to that, but I just appreciate everybody sincerely. This thing has only been possible because a lot of good people have come together to make it. So I'm excited about this platform too. You've got, you're coming out the gate with some like, I saw the list of people on here. I'm like, me? What am I doing? Oh, my uh, gosh. Um, so, no, I, I, I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to, to watching this grow, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And where can we follow you? Uh, at The Gathering Spot. I'm personally at Spot on RW. Okay, wonderful. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Thank you so much, Ryan, for being here. I'll see you guys on the next episode. And don't forget, check out Chromex at Ulta.